0: Wow, what a Gray Cup at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. It was a different result than two years ago, but almost the same kind of drama. Of course, the drama that uh, produced that uh, wild overtime win by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But for the second straight year, the Gray Cup does not wind up in the hands of of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You just heard it, defeated 28-24 by the Montreal Alouettes. Kelly Moore, along with Christian O'Mell, and Canadian Football League Hall of Famer, Winnipeg Blue Bomber Hall of Famer Doug Brown with us as well. And uh, Winnipeg uh, probably in shock with how that game ended. Cody Fajardo put on a clinic against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' defense, finding Corey Philpot in the end zone with 13 seconds remaining. Uh, the Blue Bombers tried a uh, desperate play. Uh, Zach Caleros uh, uh, completing a pass, and then they tried to punt it into uh, the uh, Montreal end zone, maybe force a turnover, get a uh, miracle touchdown, but the miracle did not happen. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for the second year in a row, will wonder what if... Lots of twists and turns in this game. Greg Mackling and Derek Taylor are in the Steel City of Hamilton. They will get reaction from what will no doubt be a somber Winnipeg Blue Bombers dressing room. Doug Brown, maybe just a little analysis from you, sir, what you had just witnessed over the last three, three and a half hours.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, wow, what a way to lose a, a football game. So many opportunities for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is going to be a really tough reflection period and, and film session uh, when they see you know how many opportunities that were missed and, and left on the on the docket so seven points I believe in the in the second half is all they were able to score and uh, it just seemed uh, Montreal you know they they just relented they just persevered and uh, Winnipeg really had a hard time regaining momentum so that's going to be, uh, I mean, it's a, It's one heck of an accomplishment to go to four Grey Cup championship games in a row and, and to win the West like they have, uh, but to lose the last two now in uh, agonizing fashion like this, that's going to be a bitter, bitter pill to swallow.
0: You know, and Christian O'Mell, as we watch this, I could not help but think this is almost like Groundhog Day, Uh, from a year ago against the Toronto Argos, second and long, and Chad Kelly scrambled for something like 15 yards on that one. Today it was Fajardo, 18 yards to get it to third and five. Uh, Kyrie Wilson just loses his footing, and that opens the door for Fajardo, but it was almost like a year ago.
2: They were really struggling to get pressure on Kolaris this whole game. They were not getting to him. Fajardo, you mean. Fajardo, yeah, pardon me. And when... They sack him on first down. You're thinking, all right, this is the defense. They're going to hunker down. They're finally going to make the stand, and they're going to redeem themselves from last year. And instead, yeah, he gets out of the pocket. Wilson blows a tire. They still force a third and five, though, and he makes a great pass to Speaker, right? When they – everyone – they're just screening and hitching them to death. Everyone's thinking they're going to do that again. It's a great pass, and then the next play, Houston gets burned, and the, you know, the best games – are ones where you look back and say either team could have won. That's three great cups in a row for the bombers that have come down to basically the last play of the game. And they came out on the right end of one and the wrong end of two. That's football sometimes, right? And you could play this game 10 times. Winnipeg might win at seven or eight, but the way it went tonight, Montreal made more plays at the bigger times. And what a great cup game for bombers fans. It's a really tough pill to swallow because every time that you go, you don't know when you're going to go again but wow you got to tip your cap to Montreal and I got to eat a lot of crow cuz I've never been a big believer in Cody Fajardo but he went and showed it tonight and he's going to be the MOP no doubt
0: there is uh, absolutely no doubt about that, that
1: be, but yeah he uh, he he was clutch in moments that's for sure
0: yeah, 21 out of 26 for 290 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the one interception, uh, but it wasn't like it was, uh, you know, oh, Cody, why did you do that? I mean, that was a, it was as good an interception by Evan Holm as the one KB and Ento had uh, on the Zach Caleros pass to Kenny Lawler in the end zone, Doug. Uh, I mean, there were some terrific plays that were made in this Grey Cup game.
1: Yeah, I mean, bottom line is, unfortunately, in the evaluation, in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, Cody Fajardo played a better game than Zach Calaris. Yes, I
0: mean, yes. that is
1: something uh, we've never said before in any, you know, since he played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? When they, when Cody was at his best, I mean, we're talking 2019 when, you know, the Bombers uh, would, would play a playoff game down there and the goalposts came into play and so on and so forth. It was ultra competitive. And uh, for him to beat out, uh, Zach Claris tonight in terms of just playing a more effective and more clutch game in critical moments. I mean that speaks volumes into as to why the the Bombers were unsuccessful tonight.
0: You know, Doug, uh, I I couldn't help but think and Christian and I were talking about it. That fourth quarter drive by Winnipeg, uh, you know, is is the answer, you know, to the uh, the, the Montreal touchdown uh, off the turnover where uh, they made the uh, uh, the recovery and. You know, it was a statement drive, and I said to Christian, "I said this is the kind of drive uh, that I had to be inspired by what happened in Toronto or against Toronto last year, rather." And you were not going to let it happen again. I was, I was quite uh, confident that uh, yeah, the Blue Bombers had done enough. Uh, that that's the part that stuns me is how effective the Bombers were on that drive, and then after Zima shanks the punt, uh, the punt rather, they can't do anything. Uh, to try and take time off the clock or enhance their field position.
1: Yeah, and that's the opportunity, right? You get back out in front, you lose your lead, panic starts to set in, but you put together a drive like that and you get out in front again. And what was there, like three minutes remaining in in the game when you have your final possession? And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, so uncharacteristic uh, that not only, you know, the, the offense couldn't put the, the game away playing, playing bully ball and, and finishing drives in the fourth, but either could the defense, right? It was a collapse on, on multiple fronts at the end of the game uh, when things were most critical,
0: unfortunately. you know, uh, And you, you review this game, Christian, and there were so many almost fantastic storylines for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. One of them, for sure, would have been Shane Goche. He stuffs Caleb Evans... Uh, on third down on that goal line stand right at the end of the first half. He gets that critical sack on Fajardo with a minute two left.
2: Absolutely. And it's going to be just Philpott a... pot too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a, a giant bucket of what-ifs for Winnipeg, right? Yeah. Where you could have had three and four years. Instead, now you've lost back-to-back and you're starting to look like the Stamps and Alouettes of the last 20 years, teams that didn't win as many as you thought they would. And, and how good they were. And to come away with two is good. But you think, oh man, they were so close to more. And you can go back to a lot of moments in this game where, oh, so close, right? If that ball's just a little bit higher, Lawler doesn't, it doesn't get picked off. It's a touchdown. Now they're up 10 instead of just a three off that interception. And for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Fajardo run, right? They're still third down and you could keep backpedaling over and over again. But both teams were probably looking at 10 to 15 plays that if they go differently, they win the game. Right. And and football comes down to just so few plays. Sometimes it was a fantastic football game. But in the end, Winnipeg just didn't quite do enough when it mattered most. Only seven points in the second half isn't enough in the Grey Cup.
0: Well, Cody Fajardo executed, there's no doubt about it, but I'll tell you what, Doug, uh, it was a well, well well-called play, uh, a well-called game, rather, though, by the Montreal coaching staff, you know, Anthony Calvillo and and Jason Moss. uh, But uh, throwing those short passes out wide, like, uh, yes, they did sack Fajardo twice, but for most of the game, that Winnipeg defensive line were just uh, a, a step and a half uh, late uh, all game long. And, and and it wasn't because of what they weren't doing. It was because of what Montreal was doing to uh, totally negate what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers usually excel at. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I totally agree. I think uh, Cody Fajardo had well far too much time in, in the pocket uh, to operate. Uh, he was able to scramble. He was able to extend plays. Um, he wasn't, he's never super accurate with his deep balls, but his his receivers were just getting enough separation that they were able to compensate for, you know, his, his lack of down the field accuracy. It's funny in the pregame show, we talked about how Zach Claris in this game, he didn't need to play his best game, but we said he needed to play very good. And I I just don't think it was there for him. Um, I I think at times he was lucky, did lucky a couple of times not to get picked. Uh, You know, there was that one in the end zone where you have to come away with points. Mm -hmm. If your receiver can't catch that ball, it has to go over bounds. It has to go out of bounds. You absolutely in the red zone like that, after a drive like that, you can't throw that ball short, right? It either has to be, it's just a calculated odds thing your receiver either has to get that or the ball's out of bounds. It can't turn into a play where you get no points and uh, a massive momentum swing. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, when your best player loses the duel to Cody Fajardo and and doesn't have, you know, has an average game himself, the best thing about this game, once again, was was Brady Oliveira and, yeah. and really Nick Dembski, I think, as a, as a combo in uh, their level of effectiveness and the defense, like I said, compared to how they played last week in the Western Final at home, uh, that was uh, that was a, a big drop-off in intensity and execution from this defense.
0: It sure was. I want to go back to that pass you were talking about, Doug, because Lawler looked like he was wide open. Yeah. Uh, Anto makes. I mean, you have to give credit to KB and Anto. He made uh, an outstanding play on that interception. But I just wonder if... You know, Zach maybe put just a touch too much air on that football uh, because if it had been delivered uh, just I don't know maybe a quarter of a second quicker, uh, I don't know yeah. that Ento can get there.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Too much air under it. It wasn't even Ento's like, primary responsibility. No. He was reading. He was reading Zach and and came over and made the play. Now, I mean, his vertical on that was insane, right? The athleticism on display there. That's, that was incredible. that was a game changing play, but that is all avoided if the if the decision is made more authoritatively, if he's more decisive and he puts the ball whether it, where it's either seven points or it's out of bounds. right Those are all your fail safes uh, when you're when you're taking shots into the end zone
0: You know we thought Christian Omel one of the uh, key uh, parts of this football game would be special teams. And while Montreal did have some good returns, Letcher gave them uh, excellent field position on one fill pot on another. Uh, but I thought for the for the most part, uh, the the Blue Bombers were, were right there. J- Janarian Grad gave them great field position on that to start that drive. I think uh, uh, it was a fifty six yard drive. They started from their own fifty four yard line.
2: Yeah, he had that great return. And uh, otherwise, I mean Jamison Sheehan, I think his punts were were solid. There were a couple that were. Okay, but he then, had a
0: better night than uh, than yeah, Joseph Zima. Yeah, Zima
2: had a couple shanks that absolutely could have cost the the Alouettes more than it did. And then you know, no one missed a kick, right? No one missed an extra point. No one missed a field goal. So uh, no one blocked a the punt. There was no punt return touchdown. So overall, it was just a matter of the returns. And so I think I think we saw Letcher have a couple. He also fumbled on a return, oh. which certainly negated uh, the uh, Oliveira fumble not long before that. So. Uh, I said all week: if the bombers, the only way the bombers lose the game is if they turn the ball over. They did cost themselves with turnovers, but they still won the turnover battle. Mo- Montreal just beat them; they were better than than Winnipeg was, and and in such a razor sh- sharp game, Doug said, it, Fajardo outdueled. Yeah. Cody Fajardo Oliveira was Winnipeg's best player, but we saw it last week against BC. At some point, they know you're going to run it with Brady Oliveira. Someone else is going to have to do something. And Dembski had a couple of nice plays, but in the end, the the Montreal defensive line really got after Kalars in that uh, that last drive and forced that punt. And the rest is history. Fajardo gets it done.
1: Yeah, I, I, do we have the Do we have
2: the final numbers?
1: Yeah, we sure do. In, like, yeah. The, the stats uh, compilation, I'd love to hear that. That'll tell another story as well, I think, in the outcome of this game.
0: What what numbers do you want, Doug?
1: Oh, I just, like, total yards, turnovers,
0: sacks. The turnovers yeah. were 3-2 in, in Winnipeg's favor. Yeah. Um, uh, they they don't have uh, all uh, of the Winnipeg only had two quarterback sacks uh in the yeah. uh, in the game uh, just I'm just sure tr-
1: try- it what
0: I'm trying to do this on the fly here so uh, let me tell you this while I'm uh, while I'm looking up those old stats Doug you know the the other part too uh that I think uh, you have to tip your cap uh to the uh, Montreal Alouettes and you know the start of the game it's 10 nothing Winnipeg before you've even had a chance to catch your breath uh, a two and out for the Alouettes. You know, the time of possession is like 12-3 in the first quarter. And yet Montreal is able to, you know, to kind of shrug it off and keep themselves in the football game.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest part of this game was, I think Winnipeg had an opportunity early to put Montreal away. I mean, they were up 10 uh, nothing at one point, 17-7 at another point. And uh, they were never able to really uh, administer that death blow. They were never able to really just keep Montreal from responding, right? They they weren't able to pile on and, and close things out. So uh, there wasn't enough consecutive dominant play uh, by any phase of this football team to put Montreal away when they had the opportunity. You know, when you're a team like, like Winnipeg and you're up 17-7, and you've got a, a ground game like that, and you've got a defense that did what they did against the BC Lions with nine sacks, so on and so forth, you like that kind of a lead. You like a 17-7 lead uh, in this game because of, of your ability to control possession and, uh, and and to move the chains with the ground game and to play lights-out defense and, and to get after the quarterback. But, uh, you know, I think that's another uh, evaluation we have to look at is the play of the Montreal Alouette offensive line in terms of how much, uh, how much time they gave Cody Fajardo and uh, you know, how relatively clean he was in the pocket. I think that's a, a massive uh, surprise and disappointment coming off the nine-sack performance that we saw from this bomber defense only a week ago.
0: I think the big difference there, uh, now I, I watched the uh, the Lions game later, I didn't see it live, but uh, I, I I think Fajardo did a great job of getting rid of the ball quickly too. It wasn't uh, a case of, uh, you know, in the past he's probably been a little guilty of hanging on to that football too long. Uh, Fajardo has been named the most outstanding player as he should have been, 21 for 26, 290 yards, three touchdowns, and the one interception. I, I'm just wondering, despite the loss, if Brady Oliveira gets outstanding today, Or if that goes to Corey Philpott or uh, perhaps Cole Speaker. I'm sorry, Tyson Philpott uh, or Cole Speaker. But Doug, some of those stats you were asking about uh, four sacks for the Montreal Alouettes, uh, two for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. As far as net offense was concerned, it was almost dead even. 373 for Montreal, 368 uh, for the Blue Bombers. The the difference here, though, which is really surprising when you compare to the regular season, you know Montreal's average yards per play was was quite low, uh, and uh, it is Tyson Philpot who is getting most outstanding Canadian, hauling in that game winning touchdown with just thirteen seconds remaining. Uh, you know Montreal eight point five uh, yards per play compared to six point one for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
1: Wow, you know we we talked to Herb uh, Zukowski from the Montreal Gazette. Uh, before this game, and really, I mean, the the biggest weakness he pointed out in the Montreal Alouettes, and the biggest weakness we saw in the two matchups in the regular season against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, was really a, a lack of a lack of explosive firepower and uh, overall futility offensively. So, in a game, I mean, if you were to say to anybody before the Grey Cup game that the Montreal Alouettes offensively would have more yards. Than the winnipeg blue bombers in this game that is so uncharacteristic right for how they've played throughout the season it's even uncharacteristic for how they played against the toronto argonauts last week and beating them they beat toronto largely um, and in spite of their offense because they had eight turnovers right they were able to take the ball away so many times from toronto it wasn't what they did offensively it's never been this season about what the montreal Alouettes do offensively if anything Cody Fajardo has been a game manager, and they've asked him, hey, try to limit the turnovers, try to limit the number of picks. We knew he would throw a pick at some point tonight. He just he hasn't played in a, in a big game like this without throwing an interception. But, you know, the fact that they outgained the Winnipeg offense, the fact that Cody Fajardo outplayed Zach Filaris, and the fact that their defense got more pressure, uh, uh, you know, on, on the quarterback than Winnipeg was able to muster up, for me, those are all the factors that that equate and uh, take us down the road to a massive upset and a Montreal Alouette victory in the Grey Cup.
2: And if you look at the two picks, right, each quarterback throws one. Winnipeg's is, should have been a touchdown, and it's an interception. For Montreal, it was kind of like a shorter punt, and Winnipeg ends up losing yardage on that drive. Philpott has a great punt return, and all of a sudden, they're 30 yards from a touchdown, right? It, it It's yeah. completely different is the circumstances of the interceptions, Kelly, sure. were completely different.
0: Absolutely, no, there's no doubt about that. One of the other key aspects of this game, too, and I'll certainly give uh, you know credit to the Montreal Alouettes uh, coaching staff for this, Doug, because we spoke uh, about the disparity in terms of penalties during the regular season. Winnipeg had 100. Montreal had 143. You know, that's uh, about three and a half penalties more per game uh, than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the least penalized team in the league. But but today, each team took just three penalties, and you know it was Jamarcus Hardrick and Stanley Bryant on the same drive for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, two of those three penalties, you uh, know, your you know uh, your established offensive linemen. So, you know, that was another area where we thought Montreal might be vulnerable, but they cleaned that up uh, big time.
1: Yeah, and one of those uh, one of those penalties came. Uh, they should have been off the field. The Montreal Alouettes. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but on Zach Kolaris, there was a face masking when he was, uh, you know, he was going to be brought down well short of a a first down. And uh, they get, I mean, there was a hand, uh, there was no contact to the head at all. There might have been a hand on the face mask at the very end before he was deemed down on the ground, but it was such a marginal call, right? It was a reactionary call from the officials. They thought it was a high tackle. They thought there was contact to the head. And, uh, you know, that was a play I I was, oh, here's discipline showing up for the Montreal when they would have been off the field. And uh, the Bombers went on, I believe, to score a touchdown on that drive. But, yeah, that's a great point you bring up, Kelly. The fact that, uh, you know, for discipline, outside of early in the game, um, you know, three penalties each, Montreal was able to reel it in and uh, really understand the gravity of the moment. And not only did they completely – Change, uh, you know, the the firepower um, possibilities from their offense tonight but they really reeled it in when it came to discipline disciplined play. So that's an excellent excellent aspect to bring up.
0: Yeah, that was Mustafa Johnson. Uh, that was on that second drive. Uh, you know, the uh, Blue Bombers had that seven-minute opening drive where they had to settle for the field goal, but it was the Mustafa Johnson unnecessary roughness, and then they uh, scored the touchdown on the next play to, to go up 10-0. Uh, for my money, though, and I'll get both of you guys to weigh in on this, uh, for my money, though, the, the – the, perhaps the most pivotal touchdown on the night was in the third quarter when after being stuffed at the goal line twice. now maybe this is where the extended halftime helps the Montreal Alouettes collect themselves a little bit, uh, but uh, you know part of it was that uh, uh, that, that great one-handed grab by uh, Austin Mack, uh, but you know three plays, 60 yards. In 97 seconds, Christian, you uh, weigh in on that. And then Doug, I'd like to hear your uh, reaction to that as well.
2: It seemed like such a dagger of a stop from the blue bombers at the end of the first half. What a pivotal possible swing, right? Instead of a three point game, it's a, it's a 10 point game. And all the bombers do is give up a quick touchdown drive and like, Oh, I get any momentum from that is gone. And And perhaps it's different if it's not before the half. It is an extended halftime. Yes, it may have been any halftime. It would have been ended up that way as well. But that's just such an immense response from the Alouettes to say, "Oh, we're not, we're we're fine with this. It's we're not going to lose our confidence. We're not going to lose our belief in ourselves just because we failed on this one opportunity." I think they viewed it as the other way, like, "Oh, we didn't fail. We." We got down there. We showed we can drive on this team. They came out and they dro- drove again. Now that pl- that drive was big plays, right? And Austin Mack had that great one-handed inter- it was three cap-
0: plays catch
2: yeah. that should have been pass interference too, but wasn't. Right. And every other drive they have, I think, was very methodical, right? It was very seven yards, six yeah. yards, four yards, pick not, away, not...
0: pick away. It's almost like death by a thousand needles. Yeah, yeah. And,
2: and that it did the job. And I think part of part of maybe Winnipeg's problem, and and we saw this in that. In, in losses in the past this year, as they in the Ottawa game specifically, right, the offense couldn't stay on the field long enough. The D has to keep going back out there, and at some point gets tired. But the Bombers did have that response drive, and I thought, okay, yeah. this is the statement that we were waiting for all half from this team.
0: But I, but I think that particular touchdown, though, yeah, gives you know fuels uh, Montreal's belief in themselves, Doug. It it gave them the impetus that you know what, yeah, we we had some adversity right at the end of the half. But uh, you know we're we're just fine now.
1: Is that is that the touchdown where Adam Big Hill was matched up yes, with with Cole yeah. Speaker? Yeah,
0: with yeah Cole Speaker. I mean, yeah.
1: you talk about out scheming your opponent as well. I mean, whether obviously Adam Big Hill in and out of the of the football game, you know, all night long. Right. We we saw him get injured again. Uh, we saw him go down. He really had to fight uh, just to stay involved in this, and eventually it looked like. Uh, you know, he was just uh, removed from the game, and 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 Gauthier took over, and Goche made a mark and an impact on this game. But yeah, the the scheming to have uh, to recognize, you know, what kind of coverage the bombers were in at the back end, and to have Adam Big Hill, an injured player, have to protect that 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 uh, that post route from a, a slot receiver. Uh, that was uh, that was an incredible play calling and uh, understanding comprehension by both Jason Moss and, and Cody Fajardo, obviously. And that's a mismatch, right? You, you get an opportunity like that. We're talking about two massive explosive plays uh, coming out in the third quarter uh, in terms of uh, showing everybody that, that, you know, when everyone thought the Montreal Alouettes were going to go away at some point in this game, mm-hmm. they just, they kept standing up. They kept relenting in the face of any adverse situation and uh, I think it surprised everybody. I think the bombers were surprised by the fact uh, that they couldn't make them go away, that they couldn't break their uh, their strength of will in this game.
0: And I thought another uh, critical play too, Christian, was early in the fourth quarter. They make that switch from Ev- from De- uh, Demario Houston to uh, um, Evan Holm on on Austin Mac, and and that's when Holm has the great interception and. Instead of feeding off the momentum of that interception, it's two and out for the offense. Pott with a great return. Uh, to me, those were two very, very critical junctures in the football game.
2: Because in the end, Montreal ends up getting the ball where they would have if Mack caught it,
0: right? Yeah. And yeah. so
2: it, it completely nullifies what could have been this massive, massive turnover, right? Because at the at that time, the turnovers were equal at two apiece, piece. And Winnipeg gets that interception, and they are starting deep in their own – not deep, but like in the middle of their own end mm-hmm. and not able to capitalize, right? Capitalization, and not, there was not that championship punch from Winnipeg uh, enough tonight, yeah. right? They they had that one drive in the fourth quarter. And that
0: happens after, so that's yes. where you're thinking. You know, they fall behind 21-17, but then they, they go on that. It's a great, great response. Yeah, eight-play, 56-yard drive. But yeah.
2: that was – that was mostly it, except for the one drive where Kalar shows the pick in the end zone, right? That yeah. was one that was going to be responding to Montreal's drive where they cut the lead to three. Right. You're thinking they're going to go back up 10. And that's that's the first moment where I, where I personally thought, oh, they might be in trouble here. and mm-hmm. that I Because I maybe was overconfident that the Bombers were going to win this football game. But that was the first moment I thought, oh, ooh. Because that's a bad turnover in a tough spot where you're, you're you just gave away points. In a tight game, and they 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 ended up regretting that play,
0: no doubt. You know, Doug, I thought uh, one play, and and I'd like you to weigh in on this uh, when Sneed catches that ball and he gets hammered and fumbles it, uh, but they rule it no catch. Uh, There's no challenge on the play, and I'm wondering, boy, will this come back to haunt the Bombers? But it became somewhat of a moot point because of the Zima shank and then the penalty. Winnipeg starts at their 47, which is kind of where the interception would have been or the fumble recovery would have been anyway. Uh, But did you think that was uh, an incomplete pass, or it, 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 it sure looked to us like it was a fumble?
1: I thought it was a fumble, too, because he caught the ball, and then he turned upfield. yeah, so he made an athletic move with possession of the ball. Now, everyone you know, from the speed of the game that's that's the true definition of a bang, bang play, right? A, a catch like that, a hit like that, ball pops out. okay, it, it looks so it, it happens so quickly you're like, did the receiver ever even have possession and uh, but he made an athletic move with it, right? He caught that ball looking back at the quarterback uh, he had two hands on it turned up field and it was just popped it was it was a fantastic tackle a forced fumble and uh yeah there, there was discussion there was thought uh you know f- from my end here I'm like should that play be challenged I realized with circumstances that fell after that maybe that was the moot point but you know for me I don't know in this game the pivotal sequence was Uh, That Evan Holmes interception on Fajardo, uh, the Bombers subsequently scoring a touchdown and leading 24 to 21 with about five minutes left in this game. Uh, You know, that's what is the characteristic? What is the identity of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber football team has been all has been for seasons for years? It's been their ability to take over games Mm -hmm. and close them out in the fourth quarter and uh, in the most, you know, inopportune of times with the most uncharacteristic, bizarre uh, collapse, uh, we saw them unable to uh, respond defensively or offensively after taking that three-point lead with around five minutes left in the fourth quarter. I could not believe. I thought that was it. I thought they were done. Yeah. I, I thought they, they'd they won this game in their, their third great cup in four, four attempts.
0: Yeah, uh, the only thing I wondered about though is when the offense couldn't do anything uh, after getting the ball right around the three-minute warning, uh, yeah. and then and then uh, have to punt it away. Uh, but they get that big Shane Goche sack on Cody Fajardo with 62 oh. seconds to go. It's second and long. Yeah. And it's history can repeat itself. I know we talked about that earlier, but you come back to that and and a championship team will not allow a football to uh, their opponent uh, to, to make something out of second and long at that point in the game.
2: Second and 18, and Cody Fajardo, right, the coverage was good, right? They were able to flush him. Uh, he gets him.
0: 13 of it he back. He gets
2: 13 of it back, and that makes it third and, and more manageable, right? If it's third and 13 or something like that, or if he's tackled right around the line of scrimmage, You've got an opportunity there to really tighten the screws the hammer down. Yeah. on that. And then you've got to start like third and five. If that's incomplete, they win the great cup. That, that was yeah. the ball game. There yes. was 40 yeah. something seconds left. They had no timeouts left. The game is over. Play
1: call. It was third and five. Yeah. yeah. And what did they do? They threw the ball deep with Cody Fajardo. Yeah. Like yeah. his entire career, he's been criticized for being inaccurate down the field, you know, uh, short to mid range has been Cody Fajardo's strength. That's that's the reason why he's been a quarterback in the, in the CFL. Uh, If you had a dollar for every time he was criticized in Saskatchewan, that he had troubles throwing the deep ball. And what do they do on third down? You know, they, they went, they went for it all. They went, they had a one-on-one situation and they got aggressive and they went after it. And uh, you know, those are the kind of gutsy plays that define a championship. And, and unfortunately, Uh, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers were on the wrong end of that
2: one. And he never looked rattled. Tonight, no, no which he, he has a lot in the past against this team.
0: Yeah, no, he, he, well, a seven game winning streak and winning as impressively as they did in Toronto can certainly uh, put a little swagger in your step. Doug, just schematically on that particular play, that's where they uh, hit Cole Speaker down the left uh, sideline uh, because, and I'm sure the Bombers were thinking, okay, they're going to try that little hitch pass just to get that five yards for the f- uh, yeah. first down. So they really play it aggressively uh, at the line of scrimmage. So is that a play there where Or perhaps the lack of pressure that the Blue Bombers had on Cody Fajardo tonight really came into play.
1: Yeah, I think you know that was probably the moment where where it manifested. And you know, in a situation like that, I'd say nine out of ten teams. Okay, what's super high percentage, right? What what can we what can we uh, what play can we execute that is safe? Because this game is over if we ain't complete. It's not throwing twenty yards down the field. With with Cody Fajardo, so it's uh, it's being aggressive at times when your opponent is is you know anticipating that you're going to try you know it's going to be something underneath and it's going to be yards after a catch that's going to threaten to get you a first down. It's not going to be going over the top, you know, into that past the second level and uh, and getting a strike that way with the game on the line with Cody Fajardo. I mean Cody, he threw the playbook out on how to play him and how to defend him tonight because he just went after it. He was a guy that, uh, you know, didn't listen. He was not a, a, a player out there that was defined by his uh, criticisms in his career about the shortcomings of him as a quarterback. If anything, he he performed in the face of uh, what we all thought he was uh, capable of. And and that was a, a, a game-defining moment, I think, for Cody. And that really sealed the deal for the Alouettes.
0: Well, Doug, uh, certainly uh, again it's another gray cup that uh, doesn't turn out the way that anybody expected it would. Uh and uh, it'll be another uh, another winter of oh so close here in Bomberville.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is uh it's an envious, uh envious situation to be in to be uh, uh have a franchise that has gone to uh, I mean, four consecutive uh, Grey Cup appearances. I mean, Zach Claris understands the significance and then the history of that. Um, that's a massive uh, achievement uh, for this organization. But to lose the last two in uh, in the in the way in the fashion that they have, that is uh, that's getting close to you know kind of Buffalo Bill um, legacy. Uh, in terms of how often you've succeeded all the way, and then just had it taken away in uh, in the most you know unexpected fashion uh, as as the game was expiring, just just heartbreak. All
0: right, Doug, we're going to uh, listen in on a little bit of uh, post game coverage here. We're getting audio in now from Greg Mackling and Derek Taylor, so uh, we may come back to you in a little bit. But uh, thanks a bunch for everything here tonight uh, uh, and this afternoon. No
1: problem, guys. I'll be
0: listening. Doug Brown, a Hall of Famer. Let's now uh, go to uh, Hamilton, or, or check that Hamilton rather, as I just make a couple of technical setups here and listen to what Mike O'Shea had to say after the game.
3: Just your overall thoughts on how this game went.
0: Yeah, back and forth, and they made a couple more plays than us,
4: but credit them. They came in hot, and they, they did what they needed to do when they needed to do it, so, um, yeah, once again, they, they they played a damn good game. Did you sense a, uh, a moment or a turning point where they started to grab it? Or is it? No, I mean, they created some momentum. We drive right back down with Dakota and score and, uh, you know, got them against the clock and they made a couple plays, but, you know, you look at the entire game and we're, we're a few plays short, that's what it. They, they and plays. They, they made some plays. You know, they generated some plays in in in, in good positions, right? Timely. And your guys uh, fought till the end. I mean, what do you have to say about their effort? Yeah, they're never gonna. You're not gonna get anything else but that. They care. They care too much about it, about each other. So they. Uh, yeah, you're never gonna worry about or see them not battle. I thought on how much of an inspiration you got maybe out of uh, Adam and Dalton plan. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the players have a great understanding of how hard they had to work to step on the field, and they understand that the, the courage it takes, and I mean, I think that's, um, it, it's uncommon in a lot of other businesses, but in, in this sport, you get a lot of guys that are doing everything they can to get on the field, and um, but their teammates certainly recognize that and appreciate it. And finally, what are you left feeling? Well, uh, just, I mean nothing right now. It's, yeah. It's about
5: it. Dull.
0: Mark Neil Davidson from the Canadian Press. It went right down to the wire with Big Hill and shown. Was it that close? And, and what kind of percentage would they have been at, do you think?
4: Healthy enough to play. You know, it did go down right down to the wire, but there, like I said, y- you got to let you got to let players be great, right? If you always, if you're just always holding them out, then they, they don't get a chance to shine for their teammates. So, um, the, the sc- you know, I don't know if our guys will remember the score. They'll remember that we lost, and they'll also remember their teammates who. Put everything they had into, into stepping on the field.
3: Mike, of course, understandably, a lot of <clears throat> long faces going into the locker room. Is there a message for the guys in the locker room after that one?
4: No, nothing. Nothing they're going to hear right now. It takes a while for them to be able to listen. You know, hear things. They don't. It's just too. It's too fresh. Pro sports, you know this better than anybody. Winning and losing can determine how people
3: view seasons. But there's a lot. of to be proud of with this team? just I know it's early after a game, but I'm sure obviously not the result, but plenty to be proud of with this group.
4: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But that's like when you recap a season, it, you know, that's a little ways down the road right now. <laughs> right now, it's just, uh, a, you know, fresh, painful loss.
6: Mike, was there anything from Montreal that surprised you tonight?
4: No, no. They're the same. They run to the ball. They try and take the ball away. They, yeah, they're. They they were once again. They came in pretty hot and they stuck to it. There's always going to be a wrinkle with Noel Thorpe, but they they were just made a few more plays than us.
6: Seeing the way it played out, would you make any different decision on Big Hill and Shone today? No.
4: Yeah, he's the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, you know, stepping back, I'm sure this this game was good for the league in terms of the the back and forth right down to the wire, you know, scoring right at the end, lead changes. Um, and I, Cody had full marks to Cody, you know. I don't know what the numbers look like, but it doesn't matter. He's the winning quarterback right now. Yeah. yeah, That's I mean, we took the ball away too. Yeah. That's taking points right off the board there. Yeah, they're very good defense. So is ours.
6: Mike, any comment on Nick Hallett's performance today? He really he popped.
4: Always does. Big games. Makes big plays. Yep. yeah.
3: He's, he's excellent. Like, there's a, a fair amount of people you know on that organization just given what, I, I know it's the other team, but just given what they've gone through, just this being the CFL, good for the CFL team that rises. What do you think their season shows?
4: I'm not in their room, you know, but they, you can see it on the field. They, they play with a lot of energy and, Obviously, have a lot of fun, buy-in, mm-hmm. and whatever. But I said, I'm not in that, not in that room. So, but I'm sure they're pretty happy. Well, you just, you believe you're going to win. You, you, right till the very end, you believe you're going to win. You have to.
0: There's no other way to do it. Uh, you just believe you're going to do it. You yeah. have to. That is uh, Mike O'Shea to his core. And a man who would know that very well joins us uh, now live from Hamilton, the former legendary voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. Thanks a bunch for uh, giving us a few minutes here on the Pulse Game Show in the aftermath of a 28. 24 Montreal Alouette stunner over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Maybe, uh, if you can, just paint us a little bit of a picture of uh, what it was like uh, in the stands. I'm sure uh, you spotted uh, more than a few Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans at Tim Horton Field.
5: Yeah, there was lots of blue and gold there, Kelly, for sure. There were three people sitting right behind us who uh, we were conversing with all game, and they were worrying, and then they were excited, and then they were nervous. <laughs> and it was it was an up-and-down sort of game for. A fan and then a few Montrealers around us too who were quite excited at the end um, you know the weather was great the game it was a great football game it really was I heard Mike talk about how it's good for the league and he's he's right about that there's no question you know you always want an exciting down-of-the-wire game and that's what we got brutally disappointing though for the Blue Bombers who were the favorites going in and You know, when Montreal was second and 18 with, what, a minute left, I I thought that was probably the game. And then Fajardo broke contain and had that big run, and they converted the third down, and I think they converted another third down. And if you'd have told me before this game that Cody Fajardo would throw for 290 yards and three touchdowns, I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, You know, and he's a guy who's always been looked at as an adequate quarterback. And I I know that bugs him. Uh, He's never beaten Zach Calaris in his career, 0-9, going into this game. So this was the day where Cody Fajardo won big. Uh, It was a big win for him, a big win for Montreal, Uh, a horrible disappointment for the Bombers and their fans. The Winnipeg defense... I don't think they covered themselves in glory today. They didn't get much pressure on Fajardo. The the Alouettes lived on those little hitch passes out to the outside, and the bombers knew they were going to throw those all day long, and they did. And they gained six, seven, eight, nine yards on every one of them, and the bombers had no answer for that. Yeah. And then they then they couldn't get enough pressure on Fajardo when he did drop back to throw. I think they only sacked him once or twice. I don't have all the stats in front twice. of me, Kelly. But
0: yeah, two times. Okay. Yeah.
5: yeah. So. You know, I, I don't think the Bomber defense played as well as we would expect them to play. And I, I've seen online already, people are criticizing Zach Kalares. So Zach was 19 of 23 for 235 yards. Yeah, he threw a pick in the end zone when they were in scoring territory. And Brady Olivera fumbled when they were down in that close mm-hmm. to the red zone. And those were big plays, no question. But the Bomber defense did stop Montreal in a goal line stand. And they also... Picked off a Fajardo pass. I think the turnovers wound up even, although the pick at the end, you don't, you don't even count that, I don't think. But uh, the better team won today. Now, they made, I, I, people don't view them. I know Bomber fans as the better team overall, but they were the better team today, so good for Montreal.
0: Yeah, you just answered my next question. I was going to say, Bob, in my opinion, Montreal won this game rather than, you know, Winnipeg losing it, if if that makes sense. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, look at what the Blue Bombers did on that long drive in the fourth quarter when they answered that Austin Mack touchdown, Uh, but Montreal found a way. Yes, Winnipeg didn't play as well as they needed to, but Montreal played a great football game.
5: Yeah, they did. Look, uh, you know, again, those who want to criticize Kolaris, he did drive them down for the go ahead touchdown with what two minutes left in the game or th- just three, minutes, three yeah. minutes left in the game yeah uh and so then they punted montreal deep into their own end with i don't know under two minutes to go so you say to your defense all right fellas shut them down and, and we've got the gray cup and the defense couldn't shut them down and look it's not all on them it never is but when you look at the end of the game uh the defense couldn't get it done when they had to and uh That'll, I guess, be the bottom line for this is, as we look back on it in the years ahead. Uh, you know, ag- again, against a Montreal offense that is not very dynamic. They really aren't. And yet today they probably have best <laughs> game. They've had all year. Even when they beat Toronto last week, Kelly, they had um, they barely had 200 yards of offense.
0: I think it was 175 uh, if memory serves correct. Yeah,
5: and so they won on turnovers. Uh but today they, you know, they ran the ball well, they threw for almost 300 yards and, and this is not a like I said dynamic offense, but boy, boy oh boy was it ever Cody Fajardo's day to celebrate. And if you followed his career, you know, he lost the two Western Finals to the Bombers when he was with Saskatchewan Again, as I said earlier, he's always been been viewed as a guy who's a notch below the bet the better quarterbacks in the CFL. But the boy, he rose up today and played a great football game, and good for him. You know, I I have no ill will toward Cody Fajardo or anybody. Montreal played well today, Kelly. You're right; they won the Grey Cup game, uh, and that's just the bottom line.
2: You've caught a lot of games. Bob over the years and not great cup games necessarily because of the way broadcast rights work, but it, and this might be too soon to say, but the disappointment of this one for Winnipeg now, two in a row, who knows if they'll get back to more in this generation that they're in, but where does this one rank for you in terms of most disappointing bomber losses?
5: Boy, this would be right up there. And, and I think, Christian, uh, because of the ramifications of it in terms of, you know, the legacy we're talking about here, you you win three out of four Great Cups over a four-year period. Uh, you know, people are talking about Dynasty. Well, then I think you, you would be called a Dynasty, and now I, I don't think you can. You know, you've gone. No, they've, look, they've had four really good years in a row. Uh, they've been to four Great Cups in a row, won two of them. Uh, a lot of teams would kill for that sort of thing. But, uh, no, this is a, it's a massive disappointment for... Bomber fans and for the bombers, look, there's a lot of older guys on that team, some mm. of whom probably aren't going to be back. And this was going to be, I think, for some of them, you know, their last, you know, ride into a, a glory sort of thing. And uh, it slipped through their fingers. So, yeah, this would be. I know last year's in Toronto was was pretty disappointing because. It looked like they had the game one there, too, and then uh, they couldn't stop the Toronto offense, although uh, Zach did drive them back in the field goal range. And we all know what happened at the end of that game in Regina last year. Uh, So that was pretty disappointing. But uh, this one against a Montreal team that most people, most of the experts thought the Bombers would win the game, experts uh, are we experts or not? You know what I mean when I say I did. Prognosticators. Yeah, most, yeah, okay, thanks, Kelly. Prognosticators. Most people thought the Bombers would win the game, thought they were the better team. And I think over the course of the season, they were the better team. And on paper, might well be the better team. But now Montreal's won eight games in a row, right? And their last two wins have been against Toronto and Yeah. So I think we, again, this is not a fluke what happened today. The Montreal Alouettes outplayed the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for 60 minutes of football. Uh, They made more plays, as Mike O'Shea likes to say, and they are very deserved winners of this game.
0: It almost smacks, Bob. It's different because of the the dynasty uh, component, for sure. But uh, the best comparison I can draw to this is 2001, when... Winnipeg was supposed to mop the floor with the Calgary Stampeders in Montreal, and uh, wound up yeah. coming out, out on the short end of that one. I, I, I would compare this game in terms of uh, you know what the expectation was for victory and what the realization was for uh, when it came to the final result.
5: Yeah, that Bomber team, Kelly was fourteen and four, and they played a Calgary team that was eight and ten. Oh, All yeah. ten and ten when they got to the Grey Cup. Uh, I think that team, you know. Uh, wasn't prepared properly. They they took their favored situation for granted and weren't as sharp as they needed to be. And they thought they were going to roll over Calgary in that game. And then I had a few things go wrong, a block kick, some missed field goals. And we all know what happened there. Mm-hmm. But this, bo- this bomber team, I think mentally uh, was as prepared as any team could be, was as determined and ready to play this game as any team could be. But again, they just uh, they couldn't get it done. They couldn't make enough plays. They couldn't stop that Montreal passing attack. At two hundred ninety yards. Think no. about that. Cody no. Fajardo hasn't had a lot of games in his career where he's thrown for two hundred ninety yards against a good defense. But uh, he did it today, and uh, the Bomber defense won't be feeling very good about that. They picked on Jamal Parker at the end of the game, uh, and a couple of those throws. One of them in particular was, you know, Fajardo dropped back and just threw it up for grabs, basically, and hoped his receiver would go and get it, and he did. That's part of the game, isn't it? It's, yep. uh, you know, that's the way it goes. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough night for Bomber fans and a tough night for the Blue Bombers. Uh, one that's going to take, I think, a while for the Bombers to get over. They put out a tweet already, the Bombers, did and they? thanked the fans for being with them all year long and appreciate their support. And it was pretty classy, I thought. Yep. Uh, you know, and you move on, right? You, you've had a good run. They've had a very good run. Uh, it ended in bitter disappointment tonight. So now you start laying the groundwork for 2024 and take another, you know, come back and take another crack
0: at it. Absolutely. Uh, when you look back on 2023, other than the final game, all the sellouts. Uh, you know, Brady Oliveira uh, emerging as a CFL star, another hometown kid. Uh, and this is still going to be a good football team next year. It might look a little different uh, than it did this year, just like this year looked a little different than 2022. But uh, uh, I don't think the the leadership of this team, uh, from Wade Miller on down, is uh, going to let uh, too much slip.
5: This might be, Kelly, the most interesting offseason we've seen here in in the last four years, because mm-hmm. there are some very interesting decisions that have to be made in terms of which players, aging players, do you bring back? And they're going to have to try to re-sign a lot of free agents, as are every team in the CFL. Everybody's got twenty to thirty free agents. Which ones do you bring back? Uh, you know, can you fit them all in the salary cap? Can you afford to pay Dalton, Schoen? Brady Oliveira? Brady's <laughs> going to want the, he's going to want some dollars, and so yeah. on and on it goes. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions this off season in terms of, you know, Stanley Bryant's 38. You bring oh. him back at the plate when he turns 39 and uh, big Hills 35. And I, you know, I'm not saying those guys can't play anymore. I'm just saying those are some of the decisions that they're going to have to make in terms of looking ahead and building for 2024. But I'm with you, Kelly. I think they'll come back with a, another good looking football team. They'll have Zach Calaris at quarterback and, They'll have a uh, Dempski and, you know, Kenny Lawler's back again next year. And there's a lot of them that are under contract. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a good team again next year, but whether or not they can c- continue these 15 and three, 14 and four seasons, well, that's going to be a real challenge for them. But, uh, now, they'll come back loaded for bear in 2024, looking to get back here again.
0: Well, yeah, and and the fellow that's going to sign them still has to be signed himself, Kyle Walters. Yeah. So there's another uh, 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 a bit of business that uh, has to be taken care of. Uh, Bob yeah. Irving, as always, it is uh, our extreme privilege and pleasure to have you on our airwaves. Uh, thank you, as always, for saying it so well and uh, and so authoritatively.
5: Well, thank you, Kelly. And i got to tell you, now that I'm, uh, I'm just a fan, uh, this was, a, this was a, a sad night. It really was because I'm fairly close to some of the people around this team. Yes. And I really feel for them. I yeah. don't feel their pain, but I understand the pain they must be feeling. Uh, and so I, I feel badly for them. And I'm very disappointed. But, again, uh, I tip my hat to Montreal. They won wow. the game fair and square.
0: Yeah, it was an excellent football game for sure. The one and only Bob Irving joining us from Hamilton uh, for some post-game analysis. We have to take a break here. Okay. Yeah, our executive producer, Kyle Milroy, what hair he has left, he's tearing out right now. Uh, But please stay with us. You will hear from Zach Caleros, Brady Oliveira, Adam Bighill, Dalton Schoen, and others, Greg Mackling and Derek Taylor, have been really working hard in Hamilton. Uh, more pulse game reaction from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers following uh, a shocking 28-24 to loss to the Montreal Alouettes. And you heard it right here on 680-CJOB. Kelly Moore, Christian O'Mell with you as uh, we recap and uh, review a 28-24 Winnipeg Blue Bomber loss to the Montreal Alouettes earlier tonight at Tim Horton Field, Zach Caleros in a duel with Cody Fajardo, and for the first time in 10 head-to-head battles, Christian O'Mell, it's Zach Caleros who uh, is uh, on the wrong end of the scoreboard.
2: And and Bob mentioned it his numbers aren't really bad at all, only four incompletions, one of them of course was to the other team which proved to be a, a massive play in this football game, but I think what we're reminded to Kelly is that it you know, any this is the beauty I think of football compared to other sports is that it's one game and You could play it 10 times and one team wins eight, but if you just have that one or two times, Montreal, this may have been their ceiling, their peak game tonight. They played their absolute best potentially, and that's what it took to beat this Blue Bobber team, but they're the one that gets to hold that trophy. And you look at Grey Cups over the last decade, right? We've seen that a lot, a lot of close games, a lot of teams that you didn't maybe think were going to win. Calgary lost a couple of Grey Cups to Ottawa and Toronto, where Calgary was heavily favored and they don't get it done, right? And, and this is what happens, and that's the beauty of the CFL, where any team can win. We've had a lot of really solid Grey Cup games the last decade. The Bombers um, have the last three have all have been, all been cliffhangers. razor thin, yeah. right? So they could be 4-0. They could be 1-3.
0: All decided on the last play of the game. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: A, it's incredible drama. If you're a neutral observer, if you're a fan of the Bombers, your your stomach's just gone tonight because that was a tough one. That was really, really tough to swallow. And... You're you're looking you're going back in your mind of all the all the plays if this one player, that one player, that one play went differently, maybe get the W, but that's not how sports works.
0: Eight days ago, Zach Galeros was fired up. I'm thinking it was not so much tonight in Hamilton.
3: Zach, we know how much you and your teammates put into this season. Just your overall feelings right now, just after what what happened
7: there. Um uh, sad, disappoint I mean, disappointed is probably wrong. We're sad, you know, just you know, he played play to win the game, played to win the last one, Then we came up short. Um, you know, Montreal was a few plays better than us. Um, which is really sad. Because uh, there's a lot of good guys in the locker room, and, you know, guys that might not be able to play again, and he want to win for them, and guys that could be out there. And, and yeah. Just a lot of good people. He just don't want to let people down. It's just, it's, it's terrible. Game's so close yeah. like that. What's what is the difference? Um, just again, a handful of plays you can look back on. Um, you know, plays you went back. Obviously, there's turnovers. I had a turnover in the red zone. Uh, we we turned one over earlier um, in the game. Um, Again, I'm sure when we watch the tape, there'll be things that were left out there on second downs that we could have probably um, executed a bit better um, to convert on second down and or on first down to you know to get us in better you know manageable situations. I don't you know I I, I don't want to take away anything away from Montreal. They 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 played better um, and they deserved to win.
5: Zach Neil Davidson from the Canadian Press.
0: Is it one of those games where if you played it ten times, you could have had ten different results? Because your team made tons of big plays. Um, for, I mean, probably. You know,
7: um, you know, we like the uh, like our chances going in, obviously, and um, yeah, probably, uh, yeah, it would have it would have uh, probably been different. I'm not even not answer that. Sorry,
5: Zach. <laughs>
6: Regardless of the result, you had a couple of guys that got into the game today, and Dalton Schoen and, and Adam Bickhill, and they must have gone through an awful lot to make sure that they were out there with you. You talk about that brotherhood. What can you just say about that? Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about Adam Bighill. Um
7: just what he what he went through to play in this game and just the, the kind of person that he is. Um, Dalton Schoen, obviously, as well. Um, probably shouldn't have been out there either, um, but just you know left it all out there for his teammates, um, and they did everything that they possibly could. Um, Dalton over the last couple of weeks, and, and Biggie over the last five days, which is just amazing to be out there. So you want to, me want to win for them. And you know, guys like Rashid Bailey on the offensive side has been playing with a you know, like a grade two hamstring tear for the last month and a half, and just um, and Nick Dembski as well, um, guys who just have battled through injuries, and, and everybody has, you know, bumps and bruises. But those are a couple that come to mind. Um, and watching those guys and. Uh, you know, prepare and, and do everything that they possibly can to be out there, you know, for their teammates. Um, as if, you know, my respect couldn't grow for them. It it it
4: has. To have this kind of feeling two years in a row, it beat you down or can it fuel you or what do you think? Yeah, I... Right now
7: I'm just... We're just all upset right now, I think. And uh, it's certainly... Something that you want to fuel you, you know, you don't want to go the other way with it, and I, you know, I think there, we're all professionals in there, and um, people that will use it to fuel them, but you know, right now it's just, it's it's hard, it hurts. Good was their D. They did a good job. Uh, they they've done a good job, you know, really all season, and uh, Noel does a good job of getting those guys ready, and. Um, Yes, yeah, so I, I
4: just hats off to them. They did, they did a good job. Your counterpart at quarterback, he had a lot to prove too. Um, How do you think Cody played?
7: I, I thought he played really well. Obviously, they they won the football game, and um, you know, for for him to you know play the way he did in the final drive was uh, you know good for him.
3: I understand it's a, a win-loss business, and I, I know you guys have a high standard for yourself. But when you look back on this year and, and what you went through last season, to, to get you know to get as far as you got, is can you still still take a, some positives out of this year?
7: Not right now. You played to win, you know, you played the great Cup, and then we, and we we fell short. Understanding you're obviously not in that that locker room. But what does it say about a team that can
3: be in arguably shambles in the offseason and still find?
7: Again, that just we had the right group of people. Um, top to bottom in our organization, so um, I'm not gonna be telling you anything new, Jeff, about those guys and they're just uh just it's just an honor to go to work with everybody every day. That's why it's just it just hurts so much. i Oh, sorry. What was the question about Montreal? I mean it just belief can take you far, you know. Jason, you know, had this guys really believing and um again football's a a funny game I and mean, it's one game and uh they play better than us.
0: Yes, they did. A very emotional Zach Calera speaking to uh, members of the media following the 28-24 loss to the Montreal Alouettes. Let's bring into the conversation now uh, the radio voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor, who along with Greg Mackley, just doing an awesome job of getting us post-game reaction. You'll hear more of it in just a moment. Brady Oliveira and Adam Big Hill, along with Dalton Schoen, Shane Gauthier, who had a whale of a, a football game. But uh we could hear in his voice, Derek, uh, that Zach was very, very emotional uh, when he first started addressing the, the media in the aftermath of this defeat.
6: Yeah, you, you could tell when Kalaris got to the podium, he'd been crying. And that's just the depth of emotion, right? Of these guys sell it out for a year over last year's loss and go, yes, we can, we can get back there. And you know, they, a lot of the guys talked about loving each other and honoring each other and it's it's incredibly emotional for guys guys who would normally bend your ear for an hour just can't even bring themselves to words right it's 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 so hard and uh, a real testament to all the all the guys who who stepped up to talk about this because this one is crushing
0: Yeah, and I know the questions have to be asked, but I think the last thing that Zach Calaris wants to do is tell us all how great Cody Fajardo was in this game. But Derek, uh, you know, you have been very uh, effusive in your non-praise for Cody Fajardo uh, over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I would suspect you were as shocked as anybody uh, how well he performed. I mean, he was precise this evening at Tim Horton Field.
6: And it was crazy because in 2019, Fajardo burst onto the scene with Sask, working with Zach Kalaras, and he was the West nominee for MOP. He was fantastic that year, but so much of that was predicated on a little extra luck with the deep ball that season. It faded in 21. It faded in 22. He lost his job with Sask in 2022. And this season, 14 touchdowns in I believe it was 16 starts. Like, yes, those are those are not amazing numbers, right? 14 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. The completion percentage was was I think the highest in the league. But with the shortest depth of target, you go, what have you really done? Mm-hmm. In this game, right? He one of the things I talked about in the three keys with Ed Tate and on every every show we did was they need to get luck with those 50-50 balls. And yes, Evan Holm took that one away. But Austin Mack climbing the ladder over uh, – I'm standing on the spot where he got over Dietrich Nichols. He gets on Jamal Parker, and you go, they they had it. There was a lot of that underneath stuff, a lot of those tunnel and hitch screens out to Philpott and stuff. But they hit the deep ball, and they hit that deep ball to speaker that if Fajardo throws that right, speaker's in the end zone behind Parker. Uh, and ultimately, they get that one in the end zone for the winning touchdown. But Fajardo, he had some scrambles too. Uh, one that set up a third and five that they convert with that deep ball he this is the best game I've ever seen him play and you know uh, up to the season it started fading I was maybe I was one of the biggest Vajardo fans in the league but it just kind of wore on me this year going really this is the offense they were worlds different tonight it felt like
2: and it could end up being a a Joe Flacco situation where he wins the Super Bowl with Baltimore and and that's kind of the pinnacle. And he never reaches it again for Fajardo. Or maybe this is the start of something in Montreal, Derek. But I remember the start of the season. I had heard Herb Zerkowski on the show and we were talking about how there was no owner. How are they going to do anything in free agency? What the heck are they going to do in Montreal? This team won the great cup. Like It's incredible. And I know part of it is that... It's the CFL, and you don't have to win as many football games in the playoffs as maybe you do in other leagues, and it's a smaller league. But what Montreal's done here tonight is is to show that really anything is possible in the CFL.
6: We were walking down here at Tim's Horton's field. We're walking down from the seventh floor down to the locker rooms, and I was talking to Steve Milton of the Hamilton Spectator that this is one of the all time great CFL stories. And there was a Bomber fan who's like, "The league has been around a long time." I'm like, "I get it." But on, on free agent day, they had no owner and could not do much of anything. Like, they brought in Fajardo, yes. Their biggest free agent acquisition after that was probably Greg Ellingson. Ellingson played one game for them this year. You know, well, okay, that money didn't <laughs> go great. Code, uh, Jason Moss had been cast off by Saskatchewan. Goat horns, you know, stapled to his head. You're the problem here. And Fajardo lost his job last year. They teamed back up in Montreal. They make some acquisitions during the season. They bring in Sean Lemon. But to do that, they had to realize, man, we struck out with the two defensive ends we had. Uh, Nick Usher is one, and Jamal Davis is the other. They had to fully change course from that. Okay, okay. Uh, Avery Williams at middle linebacker. Not a bad linebacker at all, but Darnell Sankey wants to come back from the American League. All right, let's bring him in. And then, man, a guy like Kavian Ento, that interception in the in the end zone yeah. was ridiculous. Ridiculous how far he had to fade off his guy to take that one away from, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Kenny Lawler. It like was that Kenny play, Lawler, yes. That, that play was nuts. Uh, Zach said, you know, I, I had the corner. I thought I had the corner, but he yeah. comes off and it was it was incredible. What they did this year, they should have, like, I, I thought they'd be a four-win team. It was the worst roster I can imagine, and somehow – it's like Cody Fajardo, his, one of his taglines in Sask was sprinkles of Jesus. And he brought that back today. Like, <laughs> there were some sprinkles of Jesus out there. Because what, what was the final tally in the second half? Was it 21 to uh 21 to
0: 7, 21-7, yeah, in the second half, yeah.
6: Uh, when, when has that happened to the Bombers? Right? They turned teams away in the second half. But this Montreal offense, seventh best scoring offense in the Canadian Football League, put up 28 on the number one defense scoring defense in the canadian football league unbelievable there were no defensive or special teams points Wait, what yeah. how did this the way montreal won this game just a, an incredible testament to them and questions questions now right on the, on the bomber's side
0: yeah i i would have to say though that uh, it was somewhat heart-wrenching uh, inspiring as well, uh, but also heart-wrenching to see Adam Big Hill and Dalton Shown oh. out there giving their absolute all, uh, but yet knowing uh, that uh, you know they were not the players who they were uh, during the regular season uh, when they were uh, close to 100 percent healthy because you because you're never 100 percent healthy uh, the minute training camp starts.
6: Yeah, and, and to me, you can really see it with Dalton Shown, right? I had to dig back into the numbers. And last year, 85% of his catches came with the waggle. Well, he did not have the waggle much. I, I feel like that was, we're trying to protect that ankle. Yeah. And full testament to him coming through it, he made a huge catch on a second down mm-hmm. uh, into the into the red zone. You go, yeah, that's why Dalton Shone's on the roster over a Greg McCray, because that's that's the play you're going to get. But it just, it wasn't enough. Big Hill was in and out of the game. Like the the torn calf, he talked about that. And he didn't. He didn't know. Tell Mike O'Shea, I don't know if we all believed him when he said we're going to give him to the last second. But Big Hill, I needed, I needed to the last second because I wasn't even going to bring my stuff with me to Hamilton. He wasn't going to bring his equipment, but equipment manager Brad Foddy brought it for him. Like it was that bad. Yeah. And he he comes in there and it did not go great in some spots. Uh, but Shane Goche, man. Oh. I, yeah. I I almost. I almost I don't want to say they didn't miss a beat because I'm not smart enough to tell you that, but Shane Goche played great
2: football tonight.
0: He did absolutely. Got that sack. Uh, had the third down uh, stop. Uh, Christian's got one more before we let you go here, DT. I,
2: I think yeah, yeah. some fans might might wonder this is should Shown and Big Hill have played this game.
6: I looking at it, I I'll want to go back and watch it again. I, I wonder about Biggie more than Shown. I think Sean made a bigger impact in this game than any replacement might have, had it have been uh, Greg McCray, had it have been Marky Ambles, Because McRae, they didn't need him for that jet sweep stuff, that pop pass stuff, because Nick Dembski looked yeah. looked I, de- better than I thought he was based on when I talked to him on Saturday. Talked to him on Saturday, I kind of thought it had been a long couple of weeks for for Dembski. So uh, Demsky looked terrific compared to what I thought. So that would have lessened the impact of McCray. Maybe... He, you know, from the slot, he springs one open, but Janarian Grant was in there, and, you know, they take some yeah. chances with Grant. Um, yeah, uh, Biggie will be the one I, I wonder about just because it was so much to to ask of a guy, and it was that Cole, it was the speaker, forgive me, it was, uh, it, that was Cole it the speaker, speaker touchdown. Yeah. He, he, he comes out of the formation, and Big Hill has to turn and chase him, yeah. and just watching the replay, Big Hill almost stumbles a couple of times, and you go, that, it, it's just... I don't. In the best of times, Big Hill could probably cover that, but today it just yeah. is not going to happen. And honest to goodness, that's that's full credit to the Montreal Alouettes, right? Because hey, he's out there. We're gonna go after him. It's it's not show friends. It's show business, right? So yeah. uh, that's that's just honest to me. That's just great game planning from Jason Moss and the Alouettes.
0: Yeah, that was the heart wrenching part there. Uh, watching Adam uh, uh, certainly nowhere near his uh, his regular capabilities. Uh, Derek Taylor. Uh, awesome season, my friend, and, uh, between you and Greg Mackling, uh, just, uh, every day that you were in Hamilton, hitting it out of the park on behalf of this radio station. Congratulations on just a fantastic job, you guys. And, uh, uh, certainly I uh, well, hope you uh, enjoy uh, some well-deserved downtime coming up <laughs> here pretty quick.
6: Can, can we give two shout outs though? We, we need to shout out a couple of Montreal Alouettes. I know it seems weird. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Sean Jameson, Oak Park's finest, a Grey Cup champion now. Uh, The 29-year-old was a a depth offensive lineman for this game, but a Grey Cup champion. And the University of Manitoba's Brock Gowanlock, number 98. We saw him on the field. Uh, Afterward, he's raising the Grey Cup over his head and running down the field, presumably to some family. Uh, As much as the Bombers didn't win, two two, uh, Winnipeggers and Manitobans need to be celebrated because they were part of an incredible season.
0: Well said. Thanks again, DT. Have a safe trip back home, my friend.
6: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: Derek Taylor joining us from uh, Hamilton. You know what? And and because of everything that was said about Adam Baghill, I was going to take a commercial break here, but we have to hear what Adam Hill said. So uh, let's listen in on that just before we take a break and then bring a more post-game reaction.
8: How are you feeling right now? So it's like get kicked in the gut.
6: Why so? It's a dumb question, but why so? Yeah,
8: it is a dumb question. I mean, obviously it's because it means so much. Right? All the hard work. It's family. It's family here. So if it don't work, it's a lot more than they just just football is family. When did you know you'd be able to go today? Uh, not until probably. The second. Well, it was actually pretty much right before the game when I got taped. When I got taped and felt good. How did it feel when you are out there? Because you, you were down at one point yeah, working yeah, through it. Yeah. Uh, the tape was a bit tight and I cramped. So, this is kind of. Toe was kind of stuck in the cramp. My calf was cramped. So. Just kind of had to work through some of that, you know. But that's just the way it is. How how if you can describe how bad it
6: was <laughs> leading up to the game?
8: Um. Early in the week, I I didn't even pack a bag. Um, he'd packed a bag for me. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really give myself much chance playing, but um, it was a pretty miraculous week with Al and Doc and team rehabbing, and yeah, it was pretty miraculous. What did it mean to you see Shone gutting one out too? I mean, I, it means a lot, but you already know the character in this room, so you can't say you're surprised, so... Um, these guys in this locker room sell out day in and day out for each other. So I mean, it's not surprising, and you know, but you know, it's it's all always respected.
6: Adam, I've seen some really deep emotions in this room. Obviously, it's the second year in a row, which is probably makes it even tougher. But just how can you sum up how you feel after something like that?
8: No, like I said, it's it's like a kick in the gut. I mean. It's not the way it's supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, just couldn't make just enough plays tonight, you know. And that's that. I mean, and you get here all the hard work, and it's for this moment, and it sucks when it doesn't go goes your way. Right? What
4: was the key injury, Adam?
8: I was just <clears throat> dealing with a calf tear. Okay.
3: When, when it first happened last week, did you? No, like I I said, I
8: gave myself 0% chance playing last week afterwards. So, you know, I was pretty blessed to be able to be here with my teammates today playing. So, you know, it was obviously wasn't easy to get to this point, but
0: pretty awesome. The usually effusive Adam Big Hill, but, and again, it's the balancing act that we always have uh, as members of the media. Uh, we need, it's our job to bring post-game reaction from the people who are on the field, but it also has to be understood that the last thing they really want to do uh, is to be talking about uh, having their hearts removed from their chests, as you clearly heard there uh, from Adam Hill. We said we we're going to take a break, but uh, this man has been working his tail feathers off uh, all uh, week long as well in Hamilton. He's uh, going to be. I-, I don't know. Do you still have to do uh, co-host the start uh, tomorrow, Greg Mackling, or is Loren McNabb back? And do you get a chance to actually catch your breath?
9: Loren is back, uh, but my intention is that I'll be. On the air with Brett and Loren at 6 o'clock Central Time tomorrow morning, Kelly. On fumes, no doubt. But <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, 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 Greg, I know uh, listening to you guys on the Grey Cup specials this weekend, listening to uh, some of the conversations over the course of the week, uh, you must be as shocked as I know many uh, Blue Bomber fans would be uh, by the outcome of this game. Uh, but having said that, if you're just strictly watching for entertainment value, what a whale of a Grey Cup game!
9: Hey, it, it, that's the Canadian Football League exemplified, Kelly. Uh, the C, as uh, we learned uh, earlier in the uh, in the week, uh, does not stand for Caribbean. stands for Canadian, but it also stands for crazy. And uh, that was a crazy finish. It's uh, one that the league obviously will be marketing for a long time to come. The whole idea of anything is possible. The idea that there's a reason why you play the
0: Oh, I think we might have just lost uh, Greg Mackling uh, in Hamilton. It's it's the, the wonderful world of technology. You know what we'll do? We will take a break at this particular juncture uh, and come back for our final segment. Uh, still to be heard, Brady Oliveira, Dalton Schoen, Shane Goche, who just had an awesome, awesome football game. We'll see if we can reconnect with Greg Mackling here. the Montreal Alouettes upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the 2023 Grey Cup game, which you heard on 680 CJOB. Thousands of fans listening on the radio back home right now who are
9: you know with you all the way. Any words for them this evening? Thank
4: you for sticking with us. Sorry, we didn't get, we didn't uh, accomplish our goal. We didn't finish the finish the, the goal, win the great Cup. Uh, very frustrated at the moment. Um, we just didn't capitalize when we 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 should have. We we definitely should have. We should have shouldn't have allowed a lot of a lot of things to happen as far as the
9: defense. I can only speak for our defense and, and myself.
0: Yeah, this hurts. Jackson Jeffcoat, in conversation with Greg Mackling, who we have reconnected with in Hamilton, as we welcome you back uh, to our post-game coverage. Uh, Jackson uh, Jeffcoat, along with all of his Blue Bomber teammates, uh, uh, as described by Adam Baghill, feeling like they were punched in the gut or maybe even another area. Uh, Certainly, uh, Greg Mackling, uh, uh, this has to bring back memories of uh, last year in Regina at Mosaic Stadium.
9: Kelly, you've been in locker locker rooms for a, well a long time, and you you can tell when something good has happened, and you can tell when something devastating has happened on the ice or on the field. And I thought last year that the the team was devastated and and really having a hard time comprehending what had taken place. Well, I think there's a, a magnitude of two or three, uh, you know, what we saw in that locker room tonight. You know this was supposed to be a season. you know redemption is not the word that that the blue bombers used. They you know talked about unfinished business, and to get this close to accomplishing a goal that had so many components to it cal uh, you could just see how devastating it was, and normally individuals who are more than happy to speak with you. <laughs> just we're not interested and uh so we got what we could could out of them and uh yeah this is not an easy day and then you start to wonder uh this group is close they're close knit family they talk about their camaraderie their love and respect for one another but it's a business and uh winning is the name of the game and so you you start to quickly wonder who's going to be in that dressing room next year that you know, or not be in that dressing room. That were in that dressing room this week and all this season.
2: Greg, you're covering this event, but you're also a fan of this team, and you don't make a secret of that. You've been watching them since you were a kid. How do you feel right now after watching that?
9: Well, it was nervous. I was nervous all week as a fan. You know, you play the game for a reason. Anything can happen. Uh, I remember and, and live 2001. Uh, as a die hard fan uh that that might go down as one of the biggest upsets in Grey Cup history. the eight and ten stampeders with a backup quarterback by the name of Marcus Crandall go to Montreal and beat the fourteen and four blue bombers and the only reason Calgary is in the playoffs in the first place is because they beat Winnipeg at Winnipeg Stadium in a you know a nothing game <laughs> yeah. for the blue bombers, and it ends up being everything so. You know, there are lots of examples, especially in this league, of teams that do what seems to be impossible. And uh, not that it was impossible for Montreal to win tonight. I would never, ever say that. But, you know, last week, the Blue Bombers sacked Vernon Adams nine times. I don't know if they got to Cody Fajardo more than twice. Cody Fajardo was outstanding tonight. And I think... And I think at one point I lost count. I know at one point he'd completed 11 passes in a row. I don't know if it got any higher than that, but I know at one point he had completed an uh you know 11 11 uh, throw streak of completions, and you know, hats off to Montreal. There's some t- devastated fans in this town wearing blue and gold, though, I'll tell you that.
0: Well, he was 10 for 12 in the first half, and he was, uh, as I uh, resort to my uh, uh, rural BC one-room school math, he was uh, 11 for 14 in the second half. So uh, there was no uh, deviation uh, in his game at all. GMAC, because of... The emotional roller coaster that was this game. You know, the Bombers get up ten nothing. Montreal answers back. There's that big goal mouse stand, a uh, goal line stand right at the end of the first yeah. half, and then Montreal comes out and scores a touchdown in uh, rapier like fashion, as the great Danny Gallivan used to say. You know, they the Alouettes take their first lead, but Winnipeg, with a statement drive, comes back and regains the lead, and then, of course, there was the dramatic ending. What was it like in the stadium?
9: Well, I was in the press box, so I can't tell you what it was like in the stand other than I could tell you in the press box where there's a no cheering rule. And I'm not saying people were cheering, but the reaction was palpable when, when not only, you know, the Blue Bombers on that final drive, they sack Fajardo, I think it was for a, an eight-yard loss, maybe a nine-yard loss, they go to second and nineteen. Cody scrambles for 14 yards (laughs) to get it to third and five. And then what do they do? They throw, they throw a pass to, uh, to get the first down deep down into blue bomber territory to set up the winning touchdown. Like nobody, you're not expecting that, but it's pure. That's pure CFL. That's what, what people love about this game is that anything can happen. The last two minutes mean something. How many points were scored in that last two minutes? Uh, that last two thirty-two, like come on,
2: yeah, yeah, and right? and that's that's part you know the six of the last eight Grey Cups, the team that won was trailing in the fourth quarter. We've seen lots of upsets over the last ten years, and most of the games have been really close. And so that's if you're a CFL fan, or just want to watch an entertaining sports product, then this was a a great game. The CFL, Randy Ambrosi has to be thrilled with what what happened tonight and, and showing that anybody can win. That's no consolation though, Greg, to the bomber fans listening tonight that are, are just have had their soul ripped out and for two, yeah. two years in a row now. And you know, the, the core is aging, who knows what next year holds, yeah. but you yeah. never know when the next time you're going to get back is.
9: Well, I'm going to go back to, and forgive me for going back to 2001. I think the marketing slogan in 2002 was unfinished business. And the Bombers ended up losing at home to Saskatchewan in the in the, in the the West semifinal, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, a, you know, a big clunk. And that was sort of the beginning of the end of Kahari Jones' time in Winnipeg. It marked the beginning of a transition uh, from the, the Kahari-Milt era, and then the Kevin Glenn era began shortly after that. So, you know, there were questions about this team, and I don't want to go down this road, but... You know, if you go back to training camp, what was one of the narratives? Is this team young enough? Is this team young enough to do what they need to do? And I'm not saying age played any role whatsoever in what what we saw happen tonight, but those questions are going to, I suspect, uh, rear their head in the not-too-distant future if it's not happening around living rooms, rec rooms, and, and bars already tonight.
0: Well, Gregory, uh, I said this to Derek Taylor as well, and and I'll just repeat it. Uh, uh, the work that you two gentlemen did on behalf of this radio station for uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans and CJOB listeners was nothing short of excellent. So uh, I hope uh, that you, uh, uh, even though it's very late and you have to get up very early, uh, I hope you and DT have a, have a chance to have a, a quick adult brev- a beverage or two because you two gentlemen. You two professionals deserve it.
9: Kelly, uh, I can't thank you enough. That means a world coming from you. One of my mentors. And can I just give a shout out to the folks at Harvest Honda and Perfect Landscaping for stepping up to make sure Derek and I were here this week to to bring all the inc- incredible color and, and the fans and, and this event, this this incredible festival that is so Canada. Just honored to be here and and uh, just, uh, you know, it's not ending the way we imagined that it would or hoped that it would, but to be here is obviously an honor.
0: Thanks very much, Greg, and uh, yes, uh, I, uh, I'm glad that you gave the uh, the shout-out uh, uh, to those two great clients of the radio station because uh, without their uh, support uh, financially and otherwise, uh, we would not have been able to bring the same level of coverage uh, that we were able to during this Grey Cup week. There he goes. Greg Macklin, you'll hear him again, bright and early, less than eight hours now uh, on the start with uh, Brett McGarry and uh, Loren McNabb. Uh, Let's uh, continue with a little bit more uh, post-game coverage from the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber locker room. Brady Oliveira. 19 carries for 119 yards and uh, one touchdown. Had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won this game, there's no doubt in my mind uh, that Brady would have uh, added most outstanding Canadian in the Grey Cup uh, to most outstanding Canadian during the 2023 season. But I'm sure as you're going to hear from Brady, all of that uh, rings Rather hollow now. Uh, in the aftermath of the, by the way, it was Tyson Philpot who won Most Outstanding Canadian. Just so we make that uh, clear. Uh, but uh, here is Brady Oliveira.
10: I truly think it's, it's a lot more special than it was last year. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think that's why I was so emotional. It's it, it sucked, it's it sucks. It's going to be. It's not going to be the same going to work, you know, next year, because I know it's not going to be the same same guys in this locker room, and I really wanted to. You know, win it for for the guys that haven't got a chance to experience it. Uh, my running back coach, in particular. You know, so I feel like I, I feel like I let him down, and uh, yeah. Thanks.
6: Thank you. Do you really feel like you let them down?
10: I mean, yeah. I mean, I've th- I mean, maybe I didn't do enough. Maybe I didn't do enough to. Put us in a position to help the team win. I mean, obviously, I got to watch the tape. I I thought I, you know, played a pretty decent game, but I mean, if if you want to be the best in this league, and I do consider myself, you know, the best player in this league, and you got to go out there in big stages and put up good performances. So, um, yeah, I mean,
6: was there anything from Montreal that surprised you?
10: No, they did literally everything that we thought they were going to do you know throughout the week of prep you know watching tape on them they they did everything we thought they're going to do so um, yeah i think that's also part that sucks right like we we knew what they were going to do and we just didn't play smart football i think it comes down to you know you got to play smart football and and you got to you know be on your game
6: what did you make of uh, Adam Big Hill and Dalton Schoen being ready for this game
10: yeah you know i appreciate them you know battling what they battled through um, to get back and to honor each other, right? You know, that's the biggest thing. We talk about that every single week. You know, honor your your teammate, honor your brother, and um, seeing what they went through and the pain that they've been in and were in during the game, and they continue to fight for one another and fight for myself, and that's why I go out there and play the way that I do, man. Like, I I truly lay all on the line and leave everything out there, and they do it for the guys in this locker room. You know, it's a special group, and saying I got so emotional because it's not going to be the same group next year. And, you know, that's just the reality of the CFL. So um, that's
0: uh, that sucks, man. A couple of interesting comments there from Brady Oliveira, uh, and, and you know what? <laughs> he He's right. He is the best player in the Canadian Football League as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'll agree with him on that. I will disagree with him heartily on him not doing enough for this football club He ran with his usual reckless abandon, uh, took a hellacious hit uh, from Lwai Uga in in the game. Uh, I mean, that was one of the hardest hits. That was back-to-back because Sankey uh, nailed Nick Dembski, I think, on the very next play on uh, uh, a bit of a jet sweep. But what more could Brady Oliveira have possibly done? Uh, Yes, he had the fumble, but that's that's one play out of many that he participated in.
2: Yeah, that'll eat him up, but that's natural as an athlete. When you lose, you always... Think most athletes think it's their fault, right? Some will point blame at others, but generally, good team players will always no. wear it. And for a guy that had six point three yards per carry tonight, there's he's not the reason they lost this football game. No doubt about it. He was excellent. the The yards per carry started to go down a bit as the game went along because Montreal knew that was their best player. Let's let's put more effort into stopping him, and they were able to do that. But no, this is not a Brady Oliveira whatsoever, and I, I think. Just about anybody listening tonight would agree with that. Yeah,
0: and I and I I want to make sure that I, I use the proper context on this. There is the clear understanding, you know, from people like Brady Oliveira, uh, from Zach Calares, that we've already heard from that this is not going to be the same team next year. And I think it would have been the case even had the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won this football game. Uh, but uh, yeah. but they know that that Father Time. Uh, to a certain degree, has caught up with this football club. There are only so many years that you can continue to play at a high level. And I think that's probably, at least what I'm hearing, Christian, that's what hurts as much as anything for these guys.
2: I think part of it, too, it goes back to what they were saying all week when we say, oh, it's four in a row, four in a row. And they kept saying, no, it's not.
0: It's, it's this year. Yeah, because it's, there's guys on this team yeah, that have not won. They view it as
2: every year is its own thing, right? And so this year's team is not going to be back, right? That yeah. It's going to be a different squad next year, whether it's by two players, whether it's by 15 players, it's going to be a different team. And, and there's always turnover in the CFL, but you wonder at what point does the turnover become the big guys, right? Because no. most, most of the big guns from last year are here still. Most of the guys that were pivotal in 2021, a lot of them are still here, right? Yes. There, there's... No. The principal players. There are, are still
0: even core players from 2019. There are several yeah. that are
2: still here, right? Uh, yeah. Double digits that are still part of the team from four years ago, and, yeah. and you know a lot of the ages start with a three, and in football eventually you yeah. get that that catches up to you. But you know I look around the CFL. I don't know how many you know who in the West is ready to to come for the throne. Uh, well, BC Lions, BC Lions, and after that I'm not
0: I'm not yeah, sure. Then but, after that it's wide open, yeah.
2: But yeah. you know every every year there's a lot of change in the CFL. This Bombers team is still going to be very good next year. I, I have no doubts about that. But Brady's right, there's going to be change.
0: Let's hear from one of the guys who has been with this football club now for two years, but still doesn't have a Grey Cup ring. That would be Dalton Schoen. The most important game this season, biggest game of my career. You know I wasn't able to practice you know
11: for the last few weeks uh, going into that but you know I was super grateful for the opportunity to play um, our training staff here did an amazing job to get me ready or at least ready enough to get out there and be on the field and thanks to Osh for, you know sticking it through through with me and giving me a chance what were you going through and uh, what percentage would you say you're at right now yeah you know I mean I obviously wasn't full out there I was limited a bit physically but I was felt like I was good enough to play the training staff and coach thought I was good enough to play and help Help the team in whatever capacity I could, and so you know, obviously, in an ideal world, you'd be full. Um, but you know, at this point in the year, not anyone really is. So I was, uh, again, really grateful for the opportunity.
6: Dalton,
3: what does it mean when coach believes in you to to be possible to play right to the last
11: minute? It means the world. You know, I don't I don't know many many coaches out there that would be okay with a player not not practicing for six weeks and then throwing them into a championship game. Um, you know coach coach believes in us as players and so you know I, I really appreciate him and like i said i really appreciate the training staff for working so hard with me these last six weeks to get me back out there why don't you Can't stay with it to this point like as well without even practicing with the group yeah i mean i think that's a testament to the people around me you know having that belief first of all that we're going to be in this game um and that there was something to work for six weeks ago when it first happened when i was first injured um and then it's just the guys around me i mean Zach says it all the time. We have one of the smartest groups that he's ever been around, and he's been doing this a long time, you know, and so just that communication out there, knowing everyone's on the same page and stuff like that, and um, that helps a lot. What are the emotions How- right now, Dalton? I mean, there's a lot of guys in this room that are just hurting right now, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's pain, you know, um, it, and it doesn't get easier. We obviously had this last year, and it, it hurts just as bad now. Um, and it's kind of hard to put into words, you know, that feeling, but <laughs> – to watch
0: another team celebrate, it hurts. Three catches for 36 yards for a compromised Dalton show.
2: Yeah, he had a couple moments early where he made catches, and then really as the game went on. Yeah, In that along, second
0: half, he made that one big red zone catch yeah. for a first down as yeah, well. But but yeah.
2: he, he's not the Dalton show, and we know, right? No. And and you, you look at the other options the team may have had, and, and Derek spelled this out well. Does it make a big difference if Brendan oleary Orange is in there or if Greg McRae in there? No, because it's going to be Dembski. it's going to be Lawler. I don't think Bailey had a catch tonight. He had one. He had one catch yeah, tonight, yeah. Uh, but you know they they have a lot of weapons.
0: Yeah, Drew Olutarsky. Uh, they went deep for him once in the end zone, and Montreal broke it up.
2: Yep, that yeah. was a slight underthrow. Yes, uh, on that yeah. one too, and and he had. A, and I think we, I remember that play. If if Kolaris gets it out, maybe a second or two sooner then maybe he's there to make the catch instead of the defender getting to it. But that was one of just four incompletions Sakalaris had on this game. And, you know, Dalton Schoen wasn't himself and and who knows if we see him back because he's, we know he wants to get a crack down south.
0: Well, again, he uh, you know he had that opportunity last year. One year older, uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out for sure. But he's he's uh, he's going to be a person of interest around the Canadian Football League, uh, even if the NFL doesn't work. But I just get the feeling that the guys that have been here, uh, you know, they might might not make the same sacrifice that Rashid Bailey. Uh, made this year. Uh, but I, I think if the uh, the Blue Bombers uh, certainly can make it work, uh, they'll try. One more player that we want to hear from just before we wrap up tonight, because he's one of those guys, uh, 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 Christian, uh, you know, I, I remember him coming back into the lineup uh, and being such a difference maker in 2021 after the injury in Hamilton. Where he uh, uh, suffered, uh, I think, was it a knee injury for Brandon Alexander? Uh, Yeah, and and so he he was quite emotional speaking after this loss, uh, because you know we can always remember that big tip that he made to Kyrie Wilson Mm -hmm. for the, the the game ending play at Tim Hortons Field two years ago. So much, so much of a different atmosphere tonight at the same venue.
9: We got thousands of fans listening on radio back home right now fans have been here in Hamilton as well what's the what's the message tonight the message though to the fans
0: I'm sorry that we, we couldn't get it done you know um, we just we just couldn't get it done tonight you know it's just it's, it was tough and uh, we had a chance to win and we didn't do it you know it's kind of like you know we had a chance to win last year the same way you know in a sense and all we had to do is just make one start on defense and we didn't do that you know offense did what it was supposed to do and they gave us a shot and we got out there and and we didn't do our job so i'm sorry i'm sorry you have absolutely nothing to be sorry about brandon alexander uh he was on that goal line stand at the end of the first half. He made. He was the the, the player that made the stop uh, on the first attempt by Caleb Evans, and then of course it was Shane Goche on third goal. Uh, and goal. Uh, and boy, you look back and uh, I think there could be a real big turning point. And of course Montreal scores a touchdown to open the third quarter in relative ease, and it's game back on.
2: And Brandon Alexander. Forces the fumble on the punt return. Yes, yeah. of, on, of James Fletcher, yeah, he's, he's
0: the one that strips the football. Yeah, I never saw Letcher after, yeah, after that's that. That's true. And, and yeah. Mike
2: and Mike Benson recovers it. The uh, the Winnipegger, the Saint Paul's product, gets on uh, that ball. And
0: too bad he didn't score his second career so Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> That, that would have
2: been something. But uh, you know, seeing the seeing the Bombers lose tonight. Seeing the I was keeping an eye on the Vikings game. They just lost on a on a last minute touchdown and lost by one. And and it's a reminder that you know. The top of the mountain tastes good, when you know, 19 and 21, but so often sports, the only one team can win. So often sports will end up leaving you sad and bummed out in in a group. And and whether that's your fans or whether you're a team, right? The, the, The team obviously feels it more in a different way than the fans do because they've gone through so much together. And again, this... You know, they could be back in the great cup next year. They could win the great cup next year. It's a great redemption story. Five great cups in a row. You won three of them or they you know, might be 10 years. Who knows, right? You never know. That's the thing with sports too. So it's a tough one, but what are, this team has been to four great cups in a row and that's just a spectacular run.
0: Yeah. And it is, it is an absolute spectacular experience to be at a Winnipeg Blue Bomber game at IG Field. We certainly hope that continues. Uh, Much more reaction, which uh, we'll uh, hear on the CJOB Sports Show tomorrow night. uh, Of course, the final coaches show uh, of the season mixed in there as well. It'll be, uh, I'm sure, a a much somber note. Uh, Your uh, phone calls to to Michael Shea can be taken then. I want to thank Kyle Milroy for an absolutely outstanding job uh, keeping the train on the tracks as he usually does. Uh, Earlier uh, today, Doug Brown uh, on with us uh, for Bob Irving, Greg Mackling, and Eric Taylor, uh, the fantastic job those two gentlemen did. Christian O'Mell, yesterday you were here. You're here again today, and then you're going to be right back at it again on Monday. So uh, we certainly thank you for your commitment and diligence on the sidelines. Uh, By the way, did you have your lucky socks on today?
2: I do. Got to burn them, I guess. I
0: was just going to say, throw those things in the garbage right now. Uh, Again, the final score, it was the Montreal Alouettes 28, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 24. Thank you so much for listening to our Blue Bomber coverage all season long. As I mentioned, it continues tomorrow with the Coaches Show. Uh, But that is it now for the Pulse game show. Uh, We'll take a quick break here and join the Sunday Night Health Show in progress on 680-CJOB.